Blessed be the name of the Lord. Amen. In spite of our, uh, in spite of our uh, goings and circumstances and life uh, things and, and all this stuff, blessed be the name of the Lord. Let the praises of God be continually in my mouth. Amen. Forget not, forget not, forget not, forget not all the benefits of the Lord, right? Speak of it. Praise God. Let the praises of God be continually in my mouth. For the Lord is good and his love endures forever. Amen. So exciting today. Today is the day we get to hear what God is saying and we say, oh no, now I got to shape up again and do this. No, it's the day we get to hear and say, yes, God, we get to grow. We get to do more. We get to be more established. We get to be more excited. We get greater revelation. We get into a better place. Amen? Amen. There's something beautiful that takes place by the power of God when believers come together. You know, there's something beautiful when you are in God's presence by yourself. There's such intimacy and power in that. But there's something beautiful that takes place when we corporately get together as a family. There's dynamics. There's a move of God. There's something beautiful that takes place that we receive from the Lord that's incomparable to any other gathering. I, I am proud to say this. I've done a lot of fun stuff, been all over the world, did a lot of things with a lot of people. But the most significant times of my life have been with the family of God, doing things that matter, things that change, things that carry out, things that glorify the Lord, things that grow the love of God, things that establish us in our faith, things that cause us to grow. So it's a very exciting day. Yeah. Yeah. Just to remind you of what you already know, Jesus is having a good day today. Heaven is having a joyful day today. And everything is the way it's supposed to be. (coughs) Excuse me. Everything is planned or according to plan. It's a joyful day in heaven. And he rejoices over you today. He rejoices over us today. Being together. When, When the Lord Jesus himself sitting on the throne looks at his children Together in one heart, one mind, one spirit, together worshiping, loving on each other, being the expression of Christ. He's delighted to see that. So it's a good day today. It's a great day today. God is in a good mood today. Amen. Right? A lot of people know a God that is ready to strike you. But I'm telling you, God is in a good mood today. And he's ready to love you and bless you and cause you to grow to a greater place. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Now, for those of you that were not here last week, we feel sorry for you. We pray for you. God bless you. You missed out. But there's always the podcast. In fact, we encourage you to go listen to the podcast so you can actually pick up on what God is saying and kind of follow what we believe the Lord is saying. And uh, we, uh, we just, uh, last week I had a very difficult job to do, I thought, because I came in at the end of six weeks of incredible, beautiful expressions of, what was it, five, six different people that spoke the Word of God in such a powerful way. I just sat there making notes as fast as I could, and I was like, wow, wow, wow. Just, I was just amazed that God was speaking to so many different people in so many different ways, yet saying one thing yet calling us to the same place. If you take the last six weeks and listen to it, make notes, study the scripture, and get what God is saying, you will see, you will see a progression, and you will see almost every person funneling into the same thing, 
just with a different expression, a different style in many ways, which is wonderful. I was really amazed. I was saying, God, these people need to be preaching more. There's got to be more expression of this. But uh, last week, we spoke about uh, being practical or taking the knowledge we have received in this last six weeks and not sitting on it, but doing something with it. It is not what we know about God, is what we do with what we know about God that matters, right? Good and faithful servant says, well done, good and faithful servants. Not well known or well thought or well displayed or well explained. Well done, well done, good and faithful servant. It is what we do with what we know that matters, not what we know alone, right? So we spoke about knowledge without application just creates pride, religious pride. The more we know and the less we do, the more religious we become. And we're not really embracing and doing, being doers of the word, right? So for those of you that were not here, this banana last week was nice and green. It's been sitting here for a week at at this table right here. You guys remember the banana from last week? Some of you said it was good to eat and everything, and we talk about the shelf life, and now a word of God comes in season, and we have to actually take the action of peeling it and eating it and doing something with it. Otherwise, it becomes stale, and it becomes unwanted, and it becomes, uh, you know, you don't really want to eat this banana anymore. I mean, I mean, it's nice still. It's sweet. I love it like that too, but, you know, if it stays another week, eventually... It gets to a place where nobody wants it. And now there's words of God that are spoken to us for the season. And now we have the responsibility. Hearing the word and receiving revelation comes with a responsibility to respond to what we're hearing. If you're just receiving revelation and understanding more and getting very knowledgeable of the word, that's a great thing, but it does nothing for you or for the kingdom, or for the body, if not applied. If the knowledge you have received is not applied. Amen? So we spoke about that a lot last week. I hope that you go listen and kind of catch up. Because a lot of what we're going to speak today has to do with that. Kind of uh, part two of it. But um, we started speaking about listening to God, hearing what God is saying, and applying, putting action into practice what we have received. In the last six weeks from the different speakers, we spoke about uh, selling out to the Lord all the way in a practical way and not keeping little bridges to unbelief. How we actually ourselves, we, we give God most of it, but we keep some bridges that are really bridges to unbelief that, uh, that, that are options to go back to plan B. We spoke about all that. And uh, for that, we uh, went to the life of Elisha. So there's Elisha. And Elijah, or there's first Elijah and then Elisha in the scriptures, right? When he's speaking about this, it's kind of confusing. Elijah, Elisha, Elijah, Elijah, Elisha, you know, Elijah and Elisha. So Elijah comes first and then Elisha comes after. And Elisha looked at the life of Elijah and watched 14 incredible miracles because the man Elisha or Elijah was so anointed of God that Elisha said, goodness me, I want that, but I want double what you have. And then we, we, we brought in the, the, the encounter between Elisha and Elijah and what Elisha did to give up his old life and take on his new life. Elisha asked God for a double portion of anointing. 
He wanted double of what he had seen. That is so cool. I want everything that Christ died for, not some of it. I want my full inheritance in Christ. I don't want to be a son that tastes of God, has a little bit of God, and gets to know and make it and barely make it and be happy and be okay and then die and go to heaven. I want everything that has been paid for for me. Right? Christ paid for the full inheritance for the sons and daughters, not so that you would have a little bit, not that you would make it every week, not that by the grace of God and mercy you just barely make it through life. No, that you would live from an abundant place, that you would live from a place of power, that you would be a light up on the hill, that you would be filled with joy, rivers of joy within you, that you would be the man and the woman that comes in and speaks the power of God, that you would be a faith healer. There's so much that Jesus died for, not for us to come and just make it every week. That would be plan B, my friends. We're looking at plan A. We're looking at living out plan A with God. Elisha wanted that. He wanted a double anointing, a double portion of the anointing. But for that, he first had to be willing to give up what he had in order to embrace what he wanted. Elijah... Oh, Elisha had to, actually both of them had to do that, but more in the life of Elisha, before he could get what he wanted from God or what he asked God, he had to be willing to let go of what he had in his hands. That's very cool. Elisha had to let go of his old way, his old way of thinking, his old way of life, his old relationships, the old place where he lived before he could actually receive from God. What he had asked God for. Now, Jalicia is here, right? Somewhere? Jalicia, did you have those? Uh, Jalicia, hi. Could you? Oh, thank you so much. You, these guys are stars, you know? Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely, yeah. We pay them about $5,000 every, every service, you know? The sound guy gets like twelve grand for service, you know? This, uh, the worship leader gets 17000 you know? No, these guys are amazing, beautiful people that just serve. The house of the Lord. Now go, go back one more. Go back. Thank you, Jesus. There we go. First Kings chapter 19, verse 21. We started last week with this scripture. This is about the encounter of Elisha. So Elisha left him or left Eli the presence of Elijah and went back and he took his yoke of oxen and slaughtered them. He burned the plowing equipment to cook the meat and gave it to the people, and they ate. Then he set out to follow Elijah, and he became his servant. So here's the setup. Elisha wants a double anointing because he sees the anointing on Elisha's life, and he goes like, I want double that. For that, he had to be willing to let go of everything he had. And step number one was to become a servant. Step number one to receive anointing or a double anointing or more capacity or more revelation or more of God is to follow in the footsteps of Jesus and to become a servant to all. Even to the ones that have more anointing than you. Elijah had more anointing than Elisha at this point because he hadn't yet received a double portion. But the step number one was to become a servant to the one that had the anointing. Become a servant 
Quit everything you're doing. Be willing to let go of everything you have and become a servant. Not coming in as desiring having a double anointing so you could be greater than the other person. Rather coming in, serving, giving yourself into that person, giving yourself to where the anointing is so you can then receive from God a double portion. Right? So what happens is... uh, uh, Elisha is an incredible figure for me in the scripture. He's such a radical man. He, he decides, I want what God asked for me, and I don't want a little bit of it. I want double portion. I want to go all in. I don't want to play games. I don't want to be off-hearted about this. I don't want to taste of God. I want to see the miraculous. I want to see power and miracles. This guy is going in with everything he's got. He's not going in for a taste of God. He's going in for a life radical change. And he wants anointing in his life. He decides one morning, he gets up and he goes, I'm not going to be a farmer anymore. I'm going to be a man of God. But I'm not going to be a man of God at our guess. I'm going to have the double anointing. And I'm going to go after everything God has for me. In fact, he looked at what he could see in the life of Elijah. And he said, I even want more than that. What a bold attitude, right? I even want more than that. So Elijah gets up in the morning and he decides to take his, he has 12, 12 oxen, you know, with plowing equipment. If, if you lived those days, you, you would be considered a wealthy person. Most families in the, in the River Jordan area would have, in, 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 like in the in old garden agricultural area of the River Jordan, they would have one oxen and one plow and maybe one person to help and that you would be a farmer. When you had 12 of those and people, and I mean, you were a wealthy person. But Elijah gets up in the morning and says, I'm done. I'm going after the anointing of God. So he takes the plowing equipment, all of it, takes it down, breaks it down, makes a fire, a nice barbie right there, huh? And takes the oxen, slaughters them, slices the steaks. On the barbie, here comes some salt. And he gives it to all his friends, and they ate, and they were satisfied. Elisha was making a faith statement by saying, I'm going after God and not leaving any bridges to the past. I'm not leaving any possibility in going back to plan B if plan A doesn't pan out. In case something with God doesn't work out, I'm not leaving any possibility to go back or to go back to what once was or to go back to what I know or to go back to where I have control or to go back to where I have security. He says, I'm done with that and I'm going after God. A radical attitude to go after the anointing. If you want anointing in your life, you better be ready to have some radical change in your life. Because the anointing of God will not rest in covenants that are half-hearted. The anointing of God will come to people that are all in. And that's what I want to talk to you about today. So he basically burns every possibility of going back to plan B if It doesn't pan out. Last week we spoke about that. We give God so much. You can give God 11 plows. And people would say, wow, look at you. You're serving God. You are a person. And people can admire you for giving God 11 plows. But maybe you kept the one plow just in case. (laughs) 
well, you know, we're going to try this out and see if it pans out. You know, we don't know yet. We don't know. We'll see. We don't know what they're going to do. So, so we put 11 plows there. We burn those, but we look good before the people, right? We look, look, look at them. They, they're coming to the Lord. They're surrendering to the Lord. But I'm just leaving the one plow back here just in case something doesn't pan out. Often, that one plow becomes your bridge back to unbelief. Often that one plow becomes your way back to plan B. Often that one plow becomes uh, the way out when plan A becomes difficult, hard, and times are tough. You go like, well, you know, I can always go back there. I mean, if you know that sometimes doing the will of God, serving God, and being in the center of God's will will take you through seasons that are hard and difficult, that are hard for you. You know it, but it's hard. Well, I know it, but it's still hard. The fact that I know I'm in God's will doesn't take away the pain and, and having to endure and having to overcome. Sometimes obeying God and standing by the word of the Lord will cause you to be alone where there's no support. There's a lot of places in God. It's not all the time, but there's a lot of places where you have to really be there and endure it. But if there's a way to plan B, when it gets really hard on plan A, right? right. Now, Elisha burns all 12 plows. He says, I'm not going back there. I'm not leaving any possibility, no open doors. I'm not leaving any way back to plan B. I'm going after the very best of God. I want double portion. I want the anointing of heaven on me. I want more than he had. And I'm not leaving any possibility to go back. This is a one-way road. I'm moving forward with God. And at the cost of losing everything. What an incredible attitude. Elisha wanted more than what he had, but for that, he was willing to give up what he currently had. Sometimes, in order to get, you have to lose. Many times, in order to get more and move forward, you have to be willing to let go of what you have. Over the last few years, I've told you many times before, there's a lot of people of God, wonderful, beautiful people of God that love God, that have received some from the Lord. And it's silver. And it's they, they're holding on to the silver with their dear life. And God says, let that go. I want to place gold in your hands. But yet we're so secure. We feel so good about our silver. Well, at least I got silver. At least I got something. And we begin to lower our standard and compare ourselves to, to so-and-so. Look at them. They don't even have silver. I got something. And it's a poverty mentality. It's, not, it's plan B. It's not what God has intended for you to have. God has intended you to be a man and a woman full of power. God has intended you to be the light. God has intended to live inside of you. And everywhere you go, Christ, the hope of glory is in you. God has intended to put on you a breaker-like anointing that will change atmospheres, that will change families, that will change our communities. God has intended so much more for us. So much more. But we're holding on to our dear silver because it has some value. Right? Elisha wanted more than that. And to receive more he had to be willing to let go of what he currently had. Many a times, in order to gain more, you have to lose some. Elisha goes in big. Give me a double portion or nothing. Give me a double anointing or nothing. 
I want to be anointed of God, but not a little bit. I want to be anointed of God with everything that God could possibly give me for my lifetime. I don't want to be like Elisha, even though uh, Elijah, even though Elijah was a great man. 14 miracles, that's a great, I mean, incredible, right? Anointed of God. But I don't want to be him. I want to be me in God. And I want all that God could possibly give me. Hallelujah. What an exciting time. What an exciting time. I want double. My friends, what is the anointing? Because we hear so much about the anointing. And let me try to give it to you in a simple way. I love simple. I love practical. I love things that are practical and simple, easy to understand. The anointing is the difference between what you can do and what God can do. It's very simple. I mean, there's a lot more to it, obviously, but the anointing basically is when you're anointed of God, you can do things you couldn't do by yourself with all the cleverness, ability, with all the preparation people may give you and training. You can do a lot of great things, right? Those things are valuable. But when you're anointed of God, you break yokes. When you're anointed of God, you push out darkness. When you're anointed of God, you break sickness. When you're anointed of God, you identify spirits. When you're anointed of God, you cast out the devil. When you're anointed of God, you know what's going on in the spiritual realm. When you're anointed of God, you have vision. It's a whole different place than to just do good and succeed. Than to just be educated. One of our teachers in Bible school, a very humble man, uh, older guy talking about to us about the Holy Spirit. Then, 30 years ago, he said, listen, we can train you and teach you everything we know. We can give you all the tools. We can tell you the ABCs. We can give you the manuals. We can teach you until you're blue in the face. Right, right. But unless you are anointed of God by the power of the Holy Spirit, unless you are anointed of God, unless heaven desires to rest the anointed of God on you, there's not much you can do, really. But to follow rules in religion. I never forgot that. Yeah. I've been always pursuing the anointing. Always like. Not in a prideful way. But in this way of Elijah. I want everything that God could possibly give me. I don't want to taste a little bit. Don't take me somewhere and tell me the place is wonderful. When you get there you're going to love it. Oh everybody goes there. And then we get there you tell me you can only have that much. Don't do that. I want everything. I want the full experience. The anointing is the difference between what you can do and what you can do when God is in it or what God can do. It's a huge difference. It's the difference between the temporal and the eternal. When you're anointed of God, the things you do become eternal. Oh, Elisha asks God for a double anointing. And when he did, every miracle that he performed was miraculous, if that's even English. Every miracle was miraculous. Is that English? <laughs> Sorry about that, guys. Didn't go to English school here. Through Elijah, God, or Elisha, God did some things that blew people's minds away. People had not yet seen until that day. Opening the Jordan River, raising a boy from the dead, yeah. making the metal iron axe head, remember? It, it floated. I mean, things people had never seen before. People were stunned and amazed, like... What, what do you have? A double anointing? <laughs> what, what, what's with you? A double anointing? What, what, what's the deal with you? Well, I ask God big. When I ask God, I ask big. I never ask small. When you pray, ask big, right? We've been telling our children since they were little, aim for the moon. 
well, but I don't have this, and I'm missing that. And aim for the moon. Aim for the moon. Ask big. If you're going to ask God, ask big. Because you're a son and a daughter. If you're going to ask God, ask for big. Ask for beyond what you can see, understand. Ask for what you can even fathom. Ask in faith. Believe in faith. Pray in faith. Ask for things that are unthinkable. Because that's who God is anyway. So this is what Elisha does. Give me double. He does some big things. So why did, give, why did God give Elisha a double portion? What's the reason? Simple. He asked for it. He asked for it. Why would God give him a double anointing? Because until then nobody had asked. And he said, I want it. And God gave it to him. Elisha did not hold out on God. So God did not hold down. Or hold out on Elisha. Elisha had no fear. He left fear behind at the fire with the plowing equipment. He left his security behind. I'm going after God. And unless God gives me a double anointing, I don't know if this thing's going to pan out or not, but I'm going after it with everything I've got. Burning the plowing equipment was handing down his resignation as CEO of Elisha Farms Incorporated. Elisha gave up his position for an unpaid internship with an itinerant prophet named Elijah. Craziness in our day, right? He went from a very top position to a very bottom position in the assessment of our society today. See, a lot of people want anointing and they think for that they need to become bigger and greater. And they need to become more impressive. And it's the opposite. You need to become nothing. Because God loves nothing. God can take nothing and do something beautiful with it. Right? In the beginning, in the book of Genesis, in the beginning there was nothing. And God spoke and there was. <laughs> right? So as long as there's nothing, God can do something. God can speak something. My friends, the way to the anointing, become a servant. Number two, be willing to become nothing. Be willing to be demoted in the eyes of society, which in God is the very opposite. When you become a servant to all, it says, according to Jesus, that becoming a servant to all is the highest ranking in the kingdom of God. Yeah. Have you, think about that for a second. Yeah. So many people wanting to be great and wanting to be somebody, wanting to be visible, wanting to be noticed, wanting to bring all these things. And God is like, can you work with me? Can you become nothing so I can anoint you with a double portion and you can perform and see and do things that be unthinkable in your lifetime? Elisha goes back from the top or from the top all the way down to the bottom in the assessment of society. He becomes an intern. He gets to do the job nobody else wants. To serve the other guy that has the anointing. Well, I quit my prestigious job. Farming Incorporated. Elijah Incorporated Farming. I quit all that and I'm here today, sir. To follow you. To serve you. To clean after you. To carry your luggage. To wipe your clothes. To watch you perform miracles. To make sure that you got everything you need to succeed in what God is calling you to do. And I'm here to just be a servant to you, sir. That's where it all began. 
that was the key, the door to the double portion that he desired from God. My friends, we can punch the bag until we blew in the face. We can impress each other until we blew in the face. That's, that's bogus. Anyway, we, we can do all this stuff and never be anointed of God. Let me tell you this. Without, this is not a critical spirit. It's just reality. Since we've been here as a church over the years, over the years, over the last 10, 12 years, I have piles of prophetic words that people came up to me and said, this is what God is saying. And if you don't do this and this and that and na 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 na, and I just pile them all up because I consider, I, I pray about it, I, I, I read it, I listen, I pray on it. I don't disregard it, but I wait for a moment. Piles. I think there's 36 of them, if I'm not mistaken. 30-some. Prophetic, incredible words. And I'm like, okay, if you're anointed of God, bring your word, come up here, and serve with us. Come clean the house with us. Come hold the baby at night when the baby cries and needs to be changed. Come, come, come help us paint and clean. Come help us organize, put together. Come help us, come serve, come live with us for a minute. Come be part of what God is doing and saying to us and through us. Come be part of all this. And then that will be the way for the double portion and the anointing that's in you to be revealed and to start coming out. And that anointing that you have will earn you a place to speak. It will give you an opportunity because around here, we love anointing. We love to hear the voice of God. We love prophetic words. We love what God is saying. But listen, if I don't know you, come in and serve with us. Come in and, come in and join. Come in and say, what can I do? I'm here to serve. Genuinely. Not so that you could get, you know. Do you understand what I'm saying? That's why Elijah started. Elijah said, hey, I want what you have. I want double of it. But I'm going to start where God wants me to be, serving you. Wow. Wow. For the last few years, uh, when I met Sean Foster, I got such great respect for Sean. Uh, Sean and his wife, the work they've done over the years. I went down there, and I saw some things, and I, and I said, can I help you? And you, I remember Sean saying, uh, yeah, sure. If you're around Sean, there's going to be a lot of help needed. <laughs> Some people know what I'm talking about. There's 10 projects going on all the time and two more in the, in the burning. You know, that's two more coming. And I said, can I help you? And he goes like, yeah. There's drywalling to do. There's, there's painting to do. And since then, over the last 10 years, every trip we go down, there's no trip we go down to just hang out, drink iced tea, and enjoy each other. No, we get to minister in between, but you work hard. You serve together. And the more you serve together, the more respect you get from people. And the more respect you get from people, the more opportunity people give you. And the more you come together, the more safe you feel. And I'll continue to serve. I'll continue to be that person because there's no other way to the anointing, my friends. There's no other way to the anointing. Yeah. Elijah does just that. Elisha yeah. does just that with Elisha. With Elijah. Man, Elijah, sha, sha. He says, I'm here to serve you. I want more than you have. And because I want more than you have, I'm willing to give up everything that I have. Because I want more than you have, I'm willing to give up everything that I have. In our society, that would be 
calling yourself a loser. What? Don't go there. That's the, why are you going to go follow some itinerant prophet guy? What does he have to offer you? What security do you have? What, what does he have? Does he have anybody following him? What's the deal? Well, he has miracles in his life. Well, I mean, miracles, I mean, that's not. Can you imagine that same situation today? He gives up everything because he's after one thing, a double portion of the anointing. My friends, in God, the bottom is really the top. In God, the bottom is really the top. The highest ranking in the kingdom is to become a servant to all. Every black belt started off as a white belt, right? Every concert pianist started playing scales, right? I remember when Nicole was little, we were like, okay, we're going to invest in our kids, and we got a piano for the house. Those days, the price of the piano, we could have bought a car. I remember the piano coming home and people complaining and saying, well, you should have bought a car. That's what you really need, you know. And our baby sat on it, and her legs were this big, didn't even reach the, the paddles. She sat on it, she goes, ding, ding, ding. And we were like, ding. You know? When your child touches something, you think it's like God's gift to the earth, you know? If your child eats one note, you think like, wow, they're so gifted. Oh, my gosh. They are so gifted. Right? That's where it starts. At the time, people didn't see it. I remember Tilly and I would pay 30, for, 30 euros for each girl to go to class. And we would sit in our car. It's winter. It's pouring out, raining. And we're having dinner. We'd buy food and eat in our lap so our kids could be there. We didn't go out to a nice dinner. We were investing in somebody because we believed what God could do. More than a new car. I want to be a king. I wanted to come every Sunday and sit and watch my babies play and worship God. I wanted more than a car. I wanted more than a better house. I wanted more than status. I wanted more than comfort for the time being. We ate in our laps many times, thousands of times. People would come to our car and knock at the window. Do you want to go in the building? I said, no, we're fine. We just be there and it's raining and steamy windows. Uh... Not steamy windows like Tina Turner. Like the other t- <laughs> Not that way. Not that way. You know what I'm saying. Right? So anyway... We were believing God. We wanted everything these kids could possibly do. We didn't want them to just be okay and be average and make it. Not because they're better than any other kid, but we wanted to invest in that. We wanted to give everything we had so that they could have an opportunity. I wanted more, you see. I wanted to see my daughters love God, worship the Lord for a long time to come. Now we do. And I want to see them teach their children. I wanted more than just comfort. For my current circumstances. So I was willing to give up what I had. In order to get what I wanted. Think about that for a second. When when your pursuit of God. When the difficult times come. Every PhD starts at kindergarten my friends. And every servant starts serving. Every anointed person starts serving. If you want to be anointed of God. You have to be willing to begin in the beginning. You got to be willing to be demoted from first to last. Man, what a message, huh? How exciting. We live in a Christian city in America where everybody's going to become great. We're all great, and God's great, and we're all going to be great, and greatness is coming. And it's like, yep. 
but I want to be more than great. I want to be anointed of God. I want to get home and pray for my children and my wife and things break. I want to go to work and pray and atmospheres change. I want to be a person that truly carries the anointing of God more than looking good or looking great. I want to be anointed of God. I want to be anointed of God in everything I do, everything I touch. I want to truly have anointing of God in my life, not just look like I have anointing. Jesus set the example. He said, the first shall be the last and the last shall be the first. Right? Start thinking about this. The mindset is all different. The all-powerful creator becomes a servant to all. He becomes nothing at the cross. He becomes the speckle. He becomes the shame. He becomes nothing at the cross. He becomes mocked. But man, the father gives him a name that is above every other name, that no other person, there is no other name like the name of Jesus. There is no, there, there never was and there never will be any other name with more power in heaven and earth than the name of Jesus. Oh, the payout, my friends, it's so great when you are demoted by society. The payout and being anointed of God and being blessed by God and being chosen by God is so much greater than anything life could produce. Or give us. Are you willing to start over like Elisha did? Elisha was willing to start over. To give up what he had built and start over. <laughs> so many looking to become great. But unless you become nothing. Unless you become nothing. Hallelujah. I just think, I often think of every example through Scripture, throughout Scripture. I think of the many people that were anointed of God, that did the unthinkable things that, I mean, like, you know, calling fire from heaven, cutting open the way with water and, and bringing people out of the dead. And, and, I mean, incredible things, you know, stopping the sun. I mean, you start understanding the, the power that was upon those people. And then I begin to study their lives and I realize one thing. Almost every one of them. God himself reduced them to nothing. And then God himself anointed them to do things that were unthinkable. Almost in every situation, God takes their capacity, their power. Think of Gideon. Think of David. Think of Ruth and Naomi. One after another, God reduces them to nothing before he anoints them with a capacity from heaven to do things Humanity had never ever seen before. People had never seen stuff like that. They were like amazed. What power do you have? Oh, I became nothing. <laughs> I became nothing so God could become everything. I became nothing so that when God does do something, he gets all the glory. I became nothing so that I would be what Jesus is. I became nothing because the Father is making me to become more like His Son, right? According to the New Testament, He's turning me, be, making me more like His Son. Therefore, I become nothing so I can become more like His Son. I give up my old identity so I could be more like His Son, more Christ-like. Ha! Huh. What a message, man. That's not exciting for our, for our today. For Christian city today, I should be out here preaching about how great you are, and how great you are, and how great you are, and how great anointing you have, and how great we all are, and we are great because of the great one. Yes, indeed. But my friends, 
there's a way to the real anointing. Now, I'm not saying that you shouldn't look good. I'm not saying that you shouldn't be an achiever. I'm not saying that you shouldn't succeed. Yes, you should. But it's a very different thing to succeed by your own efforts than it is to be anointed of God. It's a very different thing. Elisha was born and raised in a region called Abel Melohad in Hebrew. Translated to English, it means meadow of dancing. The meadow of dancing. This was an area on the side, uh, on the shores of the River Jordan Valley. It was a, was a plush area, a beautiful area. And Elijah's family had this profitable farming operation, you know. They had this whole thing going on. They were wealthy. But God calls him out of his comfort zone and says, You want a double anointing? Let go of your comfort. Oh, man, that's, that's like, oh, really? It's like Jesus and the rich man. Remember the, the rich one ruler? You want, you want something? Sell your stuff. Ah! 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 Nicodemus comes to Jesus at night. What do I do to be saved? What do I got to do? You really want to taste this thing? You, you have to be born again. You have to let go of everything you know. You have to die to everything. Ah! Seriously? But I just had it together. I worked all these years for this. The Israelites, every time the cloud moved, remember the glory cloud and the tabernacle and all that set up? They moved to a new location. They set up the tabernacle and the tent. They set up all the tribes around it and everything. And just when they were getting comfortable, God said, it's time to move. The glory cloud's moving. Oh. God, I just had my tent right in front of the tabernacle this time. I've been waiting for this opportunity. I ran here so I could get right in front of the Holy of Holies. My kids are happy. My goats are here. My animals, everything's perfect, God. Don't mess it up. It's time to move. The glory cloud's moving. It's time to move. You want the anointing? You want the presence of God? Get out of your comfort zone. Oh, Oh, Elisha, by burning his plowing equipment, didn't just quit his job. It meant divesting himself from his share in the family. It meant writing himself off the family will. <laughs> you see, when we serve God and consider serving God, we tend to edge our bets. But not Elijah. I don't know if you can be honest this morning and say, yeah, when I, when I consider obeying God, I think, of, I think of everything, you know. Well, if I obey God, then it's going to happen with this and that and that, right? If I give God, if I, if I give like I'm supposed to give, then what's going to happen to everything else that I... If, if I obey God, then what my wife and my... If, if, I, if I say yes to the Lord, my children, if, if I obey God, we often think of what it could be. And we even create an image of how nice it will be if God will bless what we're doing. And we begin to pray advisory prayers. God, if you just got rid of this guy here, then I could put her here and she could come here and she could be over there and everything would be perfect. We begin to pray advisory prayers. Take a look at your prayer list when you go home tonight. I can almost guarantee you, 
that 80% of it is you asking God to change something. And maybe some of it is, some of it is genuine yielding and yielding to the Lord. Of course, there's, there's, there's that too. But I think we, we, we play, pray a lot of advisory prayers. Elijah doesn't do that. He says, uh, I'm not going to be 100% committed to Elijah. I'm going to be 200% committed to Elijah because I want double what he has. You want double? Put in double. What a bold move. What a bold move to heaven. Be careful what you ask heaven. Because what you ask for will require of you. For those that have much, much is... It's time we start living a responsible gospel. A proper, responsible relationship with God. Not an immature, not an immature setup where we just go get, 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 and get some more. And then tell everybody, look what I got. If you have much, much will be required from you. Elisha was committed 200%, not 100%. And that's what gave him the boldness to ask for double the anointing. And God granted it. God granted it. During Elijah's 60 years of prophetic ministry, his active prophetic ministry, Elisha performed 28 miracles recorded in Scripture. That is twice as many as the 14 that Elijah had done. Isn't that cool? That is super cool. I get so excited about that. God, I'm going all in. And God says, okay, if you're really coming all in, what do you want? I want a double anointing. Okay, double miracles for you. Boom. Who was Elisha? Just a farmer. He had no experience with carrying the anointing or doing anything. He becomes an intern to another guy that has, in fact, less anointing than he would ever have. Because Elijah goes on to have double. So you become a servant to someone that did less than you. That's what I'm dreaming for, for this church, that the people that serve here would be double anointed of God more than anything we could ever do. That's what I want my children to be. I want my kids, I want the people that are around us, the people that we connected with, to flourish in the anointing double portion. That is the way it's supposed to be. That is the way it's meant to be, that they would overtake us. And we go like, whoa, what was that? You were just right here serving me. What happened? Heaven has touched the earth. Twice as much. A double anointing. Elijah did not withhold anything from God. If you give yourself to God. All the way. All in. You can ask and expect all of God. All of himself coming back to you. Because that is precisely what he wants to do. When Jesus went to the cross. When God looked down on earth and saw you and saw me, he decided to give his son. And how did he give his son? Well, go down there, talk to them, see if you can convince them to change and turn. And if things don't pan out, just there's always plan B. Come back to heaven, Jesus. <laughs> Jesus, if you take a look at their life and it doesn't look so good, and if you see that they're not going to embrace it and they're going to reject you, and, and if they don't want anything to do with God, you know your way back to heaven, Jesus. Just come up here. No, my friends, God gave it all. God said, go, son, go and die. Go and die. God himself gives himself 
for you, in exchange for you. He expects nothing less from each of us. You want anointing? You want to truly walk with God? You want darkness to be scared of you? You want the devil to move out of the way when you move places? You've got to come into this place of giving yourself in all the way. You have not because you ask not. You ask not because you stay safe, because you leave little bridges to unbelief. I don't know how many of you need to burn some plowing equipment today or this week or in days to come. Or any bridges to unbelief. Any way, any possible way back to plan B if plan A becomes too difficult. When I married my sweetheart, I told her, I will protect you and love you all the days of my life. I had no idea what I was saying, but I meant it. I meant it. Yesterday we celebrated our wedding anniversary. It's a long time. Met each other in the summer of 99. That's a long time, but you know what? It still stands. When I said yes, I was like, I was saying yes to something that everybody said yes to, but I didn't even know what I was saying yes to. <laughs> but that doesn't change the commitment. Yes. Yes. Yes, Lord. Yes, Lord, your kingdom come. Your will be done in my life, in my family, in my marriage, before anything else that would bring me comfort. Before anything else that would make me look good. I'm going to close with this here. Elisha could have just lived his entire life in the dancing meadow, and so can you. He could have just stayed there and be a good man, plow his way through and make his money, live a good legacy for his children, and be a good person and be a good man and say, I've done nothing wrong and I'm being a good person. I love God. And I'll, yeah, he could even support Elijah a little bit and do everything right. Well, I've done nothing wrong my whole life. You see, by doing nothing wrong doesn't mean you did something right. He goes, no, I want, whole, I want all that haven't asked for me. I'm not going to live my life in a comfort zone. You and I can keep plowing our fields instead of following the call of God for our lives. But you might just forfeit 28 miracles in your life. 28 miracles. Amazing, incredible, life-changing miracles from a farmer. Well, I'm just a, I just work at Starbucks, man. <laughs> Watch what you can do under the anointing of heaven. Well, I, I just, I, I just, she just makes cakes, you know. That one just takes pictures. That one just works at Lowe's. And the other one just, you know, I'm just a secretary. I just drive the 91 back and forth. I'm just a police officer. I'm just whatever. Watch what you can do under the mighty power of the anointing of heaven that is able to break every yoke of the enemy. Watch what you can do when anointing rests on you and you're able to break, defy, destroy, undo every work of darkness and walk in the light and be the light everywhere you are. Oh my goodness. What could be better than that? What could I do in life that would make me look good that would be better than having that in me? Don't settle to plow fields. Burn your equipment. Burn all your equipment. Burn all possibilities, all bridges to unbelief. So many believers I know today living on plan B short of what God has intended for them to live. My friends, it's not enough to sit in church services and just listen. We don't get credit for an audit. 
You don't get checked in in heaven. All he was in church today. Check, check. You don't get credit for an audit. Going to church is a good thing, but sitting in the pews for a service is not the ultimate plan of God for our lives. Church can actually undermine His plan by becoming a subtle form of spiritual codependency. Did you know that? We can come here and say, well, they worship, so I'll just sit here and listen. They can worship for me. Right? Because I don't feel so good today. And then I can come to Bible study or to whatever is going on for learning and just sit and say, so what does it mean? And they'll just tell me. And I go, okay. And then I can, I can, just, uh, I can just look at the scripture and say, well, I, I don't understand. Can somebody tell me what God is saying? I can just come here on Sunday and listen to whoever is preaching and tell us what God is saying. Remember the last time that happened in the scriptures with Moses? You go up there to the mountain and you talk to God. God's voice actually spoke directly to them, but they said, nah, 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 we're scared of that. You go up there, you talk to God, you come and tell us what God said. Even church could become a problem. Oh, I'm trying so hard to get him to church. <laughs> we are already educated way beyond the level of our obedience. We are already educated way beyond our level of obedience. What we need most is not another sermon. And please understand, of course, we have to study the Word of God diligently. Of course, faith comes by hearing. But what we need, what we really need, is not to know more. It's to do more with what we know. Get up in the morning. God, I'm going to do something about this. Well, we got to be careful that we're not preaching a gospel that is about what we can do for God. No, our life is about what Jesus did for us. We live our faith because of what Christ did for us, not because of what we can do for Him, right? Of course we understand that. But there's a place of action. There's an act. There's a place where we have to enter into becoming doers of what we already know. My friends, I know so many people that have received amazing things from God, but they're not doers of the word. They're not servants. They're not givers. They're not lovers. They're not present. They're not available. They just have this thing that God gave them. And it's like, okay, well, come down here. Come serve with us. More revelation without application produces pride, not life. Oh, I got more revelation from God. Of course, we all do. But until we apply what we've received. I know so many people trying to pick bones on on things of the end times and fight, divide churches over little prophetic things and all this whole big deal. And I'm like, can we do something with what we already know? Can we do something with the ABCs? Can we do great commission, love on each other, be a community, bring life and hope? Can we do something with what we already know and have before we split bones over things that don't matter, we don't even understand? At the end, God will say, well said, intellectual, great learned servant. Well portrayed, well explained, great servant. Well learned, well kept, great servant. 
No, my friends, there's one last commendation when you face the fiery eyes of the king. That day is coming to each of us. And when you get there, it won't be Nash's fault, David's fault, Tilly's fault, Rita's fault, Lisa's fault. It will be no mama's fault, no papa's fault, no children's fault, no government's fault, no country fault, no democratic, no republican. None of that will count. All that will be nothing. Oh, there will be water under the bridge. When you look at the fiery eyes of the king, he's going to look at you and say, well done, well done, well done. It's what you do, not what you know. It's what you do, not what you make people look like you do or know. It's what you really do that matters. Well done. Man, I got to finish now. One more. (laughs) This is so good. Mark Batterson is a pastor in Washington, D.C. He has a simple take on spiritual maturity that is so good. I just love it. It's about spiritual maturity. It's about the theoretical becoming experiential. experiential. How do you say that? Experiential. Experiential. Huh? It's all the theoretical becoming experiential. When you first read the scripture, it's nothing to you more than a theory. It's information in a theory. Because you haven't yet experienced it yourself. Right? Until you experience it yourself, God's grace is nothing but a theory. It's theoretical. Oh, that's what it is. But when you experience it, it becomes reality. And it starts to redefine your life. Same with the promises of God, right? You think about it, you learn about it, it's a theory, and then when you live them out, they become reality. Over time, the scripture becomes less theoretical and more experiential because you grow, right? You you start doing things. Verse by verse, the Bible becomes your spiritual reality, a reality that is far more real than the reality we can perceive with our five senses. Now look, listen to this, it's so cool. This all set up with Elijah, and Elisha goes on in the Old Testament, Hebrew language, right? In the Hebrew language, there is no distinction between knowing and doing. So cool. In the Hebrew language, knowing is doing, and doing is knowing. It's the same thing. In other words, if you aren't doing it, you don't really know it. I love that. So it's time to give God everything. It's time to love the Lord with all your mind, all your soul, your heart, everything you've got. It's time to go after everything God has for you, not some of it. Well, Inacio, I'm really, I'm really genuine, and, I, and I'm really like, you know, I, I really mean what I do. Let me tell you this. It's not about how sincere or how sincere your sentiments are, how sincere you are. You could be sincerely wrong and do nothing with your life. It's sweat and sacrifice and equity for kingdom causes. Well, I know, I know, I know. I hear this all the time. I know, I know, I know. I've known it for years. But listen, you cannot be the hands and the feet of Jesus if you're sitting in your butt. I can say that because I didn't go to school yet, so that's bad English, but that's okay. (laughs) You can't be a kingdom spectator. You have to be a kingdom builder. Elijah could have said, well, I'll just stay here in the dancing meadow, dance my way with the Lord, and hope for better days to come. 
I'll just sit here with my stuff and love God and be happy and maybe the good Lord one day. No, my friends, you went after more. You went after his miracles. You went after his anointing. You went after his inheritance. You went after he behaved like a royal son. I don't want to be a prince forever. At some point, I have to be a king. Go after it. Don't settle for anything less than God's best for you. We read this last week, and I'll try to finish with it here. Oops, there we go. Philippians chapter 3, verse 13, 14. We all know this scripture, most probably underlined in most of our Bibles, right? Forgetting what is behind and straining toward what is ahead. I do what? Does, does press sound like, a, like an action? Of course we live by what Jesus did for us, but there's a part for you to do. I press on, I press on toward the goal to win the prize for which God has called me heavenward in Christ Jesus. Listen, there's so much more for you than what you're living right now. There's so much more that was paid for at the cross for you. There's so much more. Who in their right mind would say, I'll buy you a car, I'll go to the dealer, I'll write the check, you can go pick the one you want, and you go there and say, I'll take the cheapest one, the base model. <laughs> right? Go after everything God has for you. There's a lot more for you and me. The last six weeks, we've heard such powerful messages here. There's so much meat in this. There's so much expression of God. Study it. Go after it. Break it down. Think about it. Get it and say, God, I'm doing it. I'm getting up in the morning and I'm going to do this. Even if I don't know what I'm doing, I'm going to do this. Because I want everything that God has for me. Amen? Please stand with me. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Oh, Lord, we give ourselves to you this morning. And God, we, we, we <laughs> to even begin to pray like Elijah, it's, it's a bold way of praying, God, that we would have everything that you have intended and planned for each of our lives here and now, God. God, I don't want to sit plowing in a nice spot next to the river talking about the things that could have been in my life or should have been and why they're not there. God, I want to be the man. We want to be the man and the woman of God that live out as doers, that go after, that carry the anointing of heaven within us, God. God, there's so much darkness around us. We need to be anointed. We need to have the breaker-like anointing upon us. So, Lord, we crying out this morning, crying out to you, God. Cause us to rise up and give us the courage to put away, put back, to burn every possibility to plan B or back to unbelief. God, cause us to rise up and become doers, a generation of doers of the Word that will give ourselves all the way in, all the way, God, all the way. Cause us, oh God, to arise, God. Father, I pray for every family, every child, every son, every daughter, every mother, every father, every grandfather, every grandmother, every wife, every husband, every uncle, every family member, every relationship. Oh God, arise, 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 arise amongst us, oh God. Arise and let the fire of God come. In Jesus' name, amen.